Welcome to A Page in History. Join us on a fascinating journey as we delve into the memories of the world-famous NBC Pages. Get ready to hear first-hand accounts of their unforgettable experiences as they navigated the hallways of Burbank, California and the iconic 30 Rockefeller Plaza. Prepare to hear fascinating stories that were never meant to reach the ears of the general public. And now, your host for A Page in History, David Harris Katz. Today, we have a truly remarkable guest whose journey through the world of television and entertainment is nothing short of extraordinary. Our guest will take us on her journey through her early days at WNBC Local Advertising and Promotion, then later onto the network and then beyond. She'll share the excitement of being a talent escort for the iconic Saturday Night Live, and she'll talk about the moment she realized that network news was not for her once the Scud Stud made his appearance. She'll recount her experiences working with local television heavyweights like Chuck Scarborough and Sue Simmons, and she'll reveal how a seemingly simple peppermint lifesaver played a significant part in flipping an internal switch within her. She's been behind the scenes at MTV, Nickelodeon, Nick Jr., Nick at Night, TV Land, Lifetime, AMC, and even Sesame Street. She's helped launch beloved shows like Dora the Explorer and worked on iconic programs like Project Runway. Stay tuned as we delve into her fascinating experiences from singing under the world-famous Rockefeller Christmas tree to the fateful lunch that transformed her into one of the iconic NBC pages. And don't miss the heartwarming story about why the end of each Saturday Night Live episode holds a special meaning with our guest. Join us as we uncover the incredible life and journey of this multifaceted individual whose energy knows no bounds. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's welcome Vicki Stewart. My goodness, introduction. Holy cow, Vic. And actually, I'm going to say Vicki Stewart Roncero is your, your now married name. So I didn't, we, I left it off, but we'll, uh, we'll let the folks know. Um, let the folks know you're taken because they, you know, if they get a shot of you. They may, you know, want to jump in there. Um, so anyway, welcome. So yeah, this is amazing. Um, uh, I can't believe it. It's been almost 30 years. And I say this every time somebody gets on, it's literally like we were sitting in mini control or, or actually it's, yeah, mini control or in the page lounge and where everybody's hanging out. Um, and, uh, and you literally looked like you looked 30 years ago, which, which is really amazing because there are some, you know, unfortunately there are some folks, actually, it's funny when I see folks from like high school, mm -hmm. I'm like, that looks like my parents. So I just, you know, it's weird. That, so you look exactly the same. So, so uh, it's, it's amazing. I know it so, feels like we're in a time machine. I'm just like, Oh, Hey Dave, good to see you again. You know, it's really surreal. Isn't that, it's, it's incredible. So I guess you, you, it's really amazing because after sort of, you know, reviewing some of the material and thinking back, um, our paths and sort of um, work, you know, trajectory sort of was the same in a lot of ways. Um, and then I'm, and, I, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, like, um, I'm like, wait a second. I'm like, she, she did this and she did that. And I did this. And we, we sort of crossed the same paths. But um, but we'll get to that. So I guess I guess one of the things which I mentioned in the open, 
was sort of how you became an NBC page. Um, uh -huh. And it was and it was funny because you actually had a production. You work for you working for a production company and happened to be in New York at the time. And then. Yep. The, the company yeah. was not far from 30 Rock. And I was at a place called Elite Films. And it sounded like a great job, you know, coming out of college. Oh, you're going to be a PA for Elite Films. But it turned out that the main office was in L.A. So the New York office was me and the bookkeeper and the people that were exciting, like the directors and the president of the company and one of the executive producers, they would come in and out and they would mostly be in LA. So I would be there answering phones and sending out director's reels. And the bookkeeper was kind of hilarious. She used to bring tap shoes to work. And on her lunch break, she would literally tap dance in the lunchroom. Wow. And she would say, look at me, I'm tapping on Broadway. This was always my dream. And I would be like, oh boy, I, I don't know about this job, you know? So oh, I, um, one day I was having lunch with my boyfriend at the time who worked near there as well. He worked for Chubb Insurance and um, we met and we were having lunch and we said, you know what, let's, let's have lunch by the ice skating rink. And we were sitting there and it was a beautiful day and there was a group of pages in their uniforms and they were all having so much fun and laughing. And I was looking and I said, you know, that's what I would really love to do. I really wish I was a page. And he said, you kidding me? You could be a page. And he went right up to them and he was like, how can she be a page? You don't understand. She was at Ithaca College. She was on TV. She was this. She was that. She was like selling me, you know, big time. <laughs> Sounds like a good boyfriend. Yeah. Like and I guy. was a little bit like embarrassed. But, you know, next thing I know, he had a phone number and a name and I applied for the page program and got in shortly thereafter. And that was just really exciting because I don't know if I would have had that, you know, sort of the guts to be like, oh, I can do that. I can be that. I always assumed the pages, like they had to know somebody, they had like an uncle or a father or somebody on the inside who got them in there. And it was, um, it was really exciting to get one of those coveted spots. Wow. And, you know, and we'll, we'll and I, in, in previous podcasts, I sort of like to be, uh, I guess either inspirational or just get my two cents in, but you know, one of the things is it's true when, when, when I was little, I, I guess I went on a, an NBC tour you know, when I was little, I guess, I don't know. And it's so weird that when you're like a little kid and you just go into this building and it's like, I'm going to tear up, like, and to, to, to literally like, like walk through there and be like, this is what I want to do. And then, you know, when you get bigger, you know, when you get older and then <laughs> actually have the chance to like work there, yeah, and, you know, which I think also, you know, for many folks that once they got the page job and I, I bring up Brian Grossman, um, uh, you know, often, but I remember, you know, we, when, like it was probably our first week and we went up into the SNL balcony and yeah. we were just sitting there and there was nobody in the building in the, in the studio. And we're just looking and we're like, and I'm, you know, like, you know, Brian was like, Dave, we're sitting in the Saturday Night Live studio and there's <laughs> nobody, you know, there's nobody here. Yeah. And, and we're like looking at these walls, like everything was so like, just, it, it was, we were looking in awe. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of cool that that your boyfriend went over to talk to them. And right. I think I think and, and maybe I don't know, you know, like now that you've produced and done so many different things, yeah. I find myself because I was pretty shy, you know, uh, I guess when I was little and then but I did have to sort of break out of that. So 
you know, now when, when I'm doing stuff and if, if I'm in a room and I see stuff and especially as a page and I see like people online and things aren't running efficiently, <laughs> I'm like, okay, you move <laughs> over here, you go over there. You just, and I'm like giving direction because yeah. I remember as pages, we were so, I was, so I took such pride in, in getting yeah. people to, you know, getting them up to the, you know, the studio, you know, on, in, you know, seated and such. Um, yeah. It was such a big deal, you know? Oh, I know. Um, it's so funny. And it's funny how like in college, you know, you're applying for these jobs and you're thinking that, you know, you worked so hard in college and you're so, you know, putting your resume together, expecting big things and you get there. And I remember Peter Carousella, the first time I had like Donahue elevator, <laughs> I was like, okay, well, what do we, what do we do? And he's like, you literally take this key and turn it. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, and he's right. like, then you load people in and you bring them down. And so the jobs were like these little tasks, but like you're saying, we did them with such pride and right. we were there doing those tasks, giving tours and doing elevator or whatever it might be. And in, in return, we were getting the chance to do these real coveted assignments for the different departments. And then once you got into those assignments, you, you know, it was really your chance to shine and show who you were. And so the in-between with the tours and all the responsibilities, it was like, you definitely took great pride in that and wanted to do your best, you know? Right. And I think I, I was explaining to someone how, like, they were like, well, what do you mean? What were the assignments? And it's funny now in such a technical world with like, you know, email and texts and everything else that the assignments would literally be post- <laughs> on the bulletin board <laughs> they would all like run and look at the posts and write down and contact the people like it you know that whole old school way of doing things it's just kind of fun because it literally was posted on a board right. and we you know we interviewed and nobody had a phone like now if it was posted you could at least take a picture of it so you could right. like take a picture but it's true they were on the board and literally, um, you know, if you didn't write the number, I think you had to write the number down, like the like <laughs> yeah. the code or something, you know, to do right. it. And then you're like, and and it was funny because um, even my job at WNBC, I remember Fel Felicia, I think her name was, who had the, who, and you mentioned when we'll talk about this, but like Tony Gaida, mm -hmm. uh, she she was the assistant to the talent. And I remember I walked into the lounge one day and I see somebody was buzzing about this position. <laughs> and I, I screw the board. I ran up to her desk, like wow. talk about you. Know, I ran up to, and I literally said to her, I stood right in front of her thing. And Tony's Tony <laughs> guide is Tony was, his office was behind me. Sue Simmons was to the right. And Chuck was a door down. I just looked at her and I, I think I pointed at her and I said, I want this job. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then sure enough, she got me the interview and I met with Tony and which I love and, and Chuck and Sue and everything. But wow. yeah, it was like one of those things where, and I kind of feel bad because young kids today, everything has to be done electronically, you know, right, submit a exactly. resume, you know? Yeah. It's not as much of that, like, you know, tactile experience. Right. Wow. And it was also fun too, because once you got an assignment, it was three months long. So you had to kind of, you know, plan it out because you were like, well, if I get this assignment and then the other one's opening up, I'm going to miss it. So it was a lot of kind of like, you really had to try for things. And if you didn't get what you wanted, then when something else was posted, you might want to try for that. But I really got lucky. I felt like every assignment that I wanted, I pretty much got and had that experience and learned so much that it just, it just really was such a great experience to have those assignments. So, so for those lists or for the listeners, why don't you explain to folks like what the assignments 
you know, are and were and how, how you get them, et cetera, because uh, some folks listening may not understand what, what those are. So why don't you tell people about, sure. about them? So for example, one assignment that I had that I really enjoyed was WNBC promo department. And I know that's also where I had spent some time with you because you were around that department a lot. And in that department, we were literally making promos for the news. And the fact that they were actually trusting you with learning how to do it, learning the process, <laughs> right. and then creating the promo right. that was actually right. going to be on the air that night. Like if if Chuck and Sue did the news, then they would record the news. And when they were finished, you would be taking some clips from that and creating the promo for the 11 o'clock news. So some of the stories would still be included. And then you actually had some time in the studio recording Chuck and Sue for that promo. So you would take the script that you created, like coming up at 11 and then the different stories you were going to cover. And then you'd go back and actually edit it in time for it to go on the air. But you were working with an editor at the time. I mean, nowadays it's like the writer, producer, editor is doing all three things oftentimes. But when we were there, we were doing the writing and getting the script approved and then working with an editor to cut it in time to get on the air to promote the news later that night. So it was a very like hectic, but real experience you got to see what it was like to be working in that kind of environment and i i loved it i loved promos so i'm gonna i'm gonna even break that down further for the, the listeners um because it is first of all it is amazing that because i even there were times when i'm like you know like if i don't get this done there will be black <laughs> on the <laughs> network today yeah, right yeah. right mm -hmm. you literally we had to you know you'd go to a morning meeting uh with the news director and yeah. i guess the first hit was i guess at noon or i forget exactly when the first hit was but there was literally 30 seconds of black in mm -hmm. master control as part of the 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 network, which WNBC, uh, you know, shared the, their master control with um, at the time, I think they were shared. I think later they split off when B Bill Bolster came in. But yeah, so they had black and they're like, you know, Vicky, you're going to write and produce this. And yeah. then and then it was funny because you would write a script and then you would have to go get it uh, approved by the news director. Correct. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. And then what was his response because it was funny because you had the news director and then you had the creative director. So what mm -hmm. was your experience uh, just for those listening? Because it is it, it's you're literally looking at the clock ticking mm -hmm. and you're going, I'm going to die. I remember I used to be like dripping like it was like out of a movie. I was dripping wet. You're looking at the clock and you run it, you know, you, and, and the time's ticking away and you run into the news director. So what was your experience? Do you remember which news directors you had spoken to at the time? I don't know if you remember the names. I don't remember. Oh my gosh, I don't. I was I was working mostly with Tony Sabia as the creative director, running them by her. And then she was reporting into someone. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And then um, Linda Button, as we talked about, offline before words was there at the time and oh, okay. she was working with tony so it was a, it was a lot of like you know hey is this good yes that's good i'm gonna run it up the chain coming that's back true. and right, you know right. and then going into the edit room and sitting with the editor and really kind of keeping him on target like we've got an hour to do this and i've got the footage here and here's what we're gonna do and i want these graphics and blah 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 and just watching it all come together and literally running the tape you know back then everything was like tape and right you'd actually then sit and watch your your spot that you just created 
be on the air promoting the news for the night. And then it was like, when that assignment's over, you're back to tours. You know, it was kind right. of like, you're given this big responsibility with the understanding that after three months, someone else is going to come through and have that experience. But as we both saw that those relationships that you create in that time often lead to jobs or opportunities. Like for me, the WNBC situation led me to filling in for Jenny Alonzo when she had her first child, which was really exciting. Right. Um, so again, the, uh, we'll, we'll unpack a little bit of this because it, it is so interesting that WNBC, because there was so they had, and, and we'll talk about your nightly news assignment, which you were lucky to lucky enough to get, but it was a good, because you learned something about, about what you wanted to do in your life. Yeah. But, um, again, for those listening that, you know, that local, it was called local, uh, A&P at the time, local advertising pro promotion. And then it, I think they switched it to creative services, uh, when Pyburn came in, mm -hmm. but it was quite extraordinary that again, someone that basically had no experience as an, you know, as an NBC page got to work in a department and they literally gave you this responsibility to like do this stuff. And I look back now 30 years and mm -hmm. like that experience, like if I didn't have that assignment, right? I don't, I, my, my whole life would have changed because I've yeah. done promotion for you know 30 years and i've done you know television stuff for 30 years but it would all start in promotion and and even my television show wow i never knew that the whole show was based on promotion on short 30 second promos and that's another wow. whole story but it came from that assignment yeah. being an nbc page that's so, why right is an amazing right. We have very similar situations because that exact thing was true of me. I had that assignment and that whole feeling that like, can I do this? And then like, I can like that whole idea of taking that leap and being trusted in that way to fill that spot of black on the air. Like you're saying, it's just it really just made you believe in yourself and also right. just know that you could do it, you know, right. and that led to, you know, building your confidence, giving you courage and that's definitely skills that have helped me in every job since, but it also created in me a real passion for promos. I loved the idea. I love the pace. I love the fast pace. And I loved the idea of telling a story in so few words, having 30 seconds to really tell a story and make an impact. And I went on to a very long career, as you mentioned at the beginning, doing that, making promos for so many different networks, so many different brands. And cable was really exploding during the time that we were doing it. And I know you and I both did a lot of like talk shows and things like that. And it was just really great to have this career in promos. And it, I owe it all to that experience in that in that assignment. Right. Do you find, uh, and I want to talk, you know, we're going to talk about all the, all the places that you worked, um, um, but do you find that... Um, because I found this like because they're promos, they're they're like short little movies, you yeah. know, and you could like write them, you know, get them done, have a whole look, feel the whole thing. You're done. Boom. You're on to the next one, as opposed yeah. to, let's say, working on a movie, which could take a year. Yeah, and it's the same thing. But it was very exciting to me. Um, do, did you ever work with Bruce Brower or Mark yes. Geller? Yes, these all the are, time. Yeah, these guys, uh, shout out to those guys. They're, they were graphic artists um, at, at WNBC, but it was so cool to like get a graphics package where they would they would create the look of your promo 
And mm-hmm. usually Buddha would be like, uh, he would say, "Cat, shut the F, you know, Kat, shut the, here, this is what you're doing, you know, and he would give me stuff. But, but then it was cool when you, if you had an idea and you right. said, Hey, why don't you, can we do this? So can we do that? Blah, blah, blah. And you could literally sort of, um, come up with some things. Yeah. So, so tell me about some of the, I guess, well, I guess we'll just jump back and forth, but tell me about yeah. some of the other, um, promo places that you've worked in like some of those experiences what what was that like sure well after nbc i went on to work for linda button who at the time worked for smash advertising and they did a lot of promos for different clients and one of their biggest clients was nickelodeon and i got to establish some relationships at nickelodeon and then jumped into um i, I worked at nickelodeon for a pretty long time and did a lot of promos for them i actually was the writer, producer, director for the launch campaign of Dora the Explorer, which was really exciting to to sit in those pitch meetings, like you're saying, where they're saying, we're going to do this show with this little girl. She has a best friend that's a monkey. (laughs) She's an explorer, you know, and then to kind of take it from that brainstorm to these promos where I was directing little kids and they were singing the Dora theme song. And then- the show actually had one of the highest rating launches of any show on Nickelodeon to date. So they all were very pleased with the promos that I did because at the end of the day, it's all about the the screens, as they say, you know? Right. And it's funny because it, you know, um, uh, we, we'd always, we like to think, and it really is true because, you know, like, like Barbie, the movie, I think their marketing budget was just as much as the movie. And, <laughs> and and yeah and 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 you know um some of the the mc you know the uh, avengers and such their budgets are like almost as much as the movie is so yeah. you know and i always i'm like yeah if i had a, a you know if i had 400 million dollars to produce a, a an image campaign of some sort right. and a lot of times depending on where you are you know the, they're like here's a rock and a stick you know yeah. make you know make some magic which also did you find that in some of these places where you didn't have as much money, where you actually became more creative? Yes, absolutely. So give me some examples of that. Is there some, some, could you remember if there's like, yeah, there was even even a really inspiring Promax like um, session that was built on that, you know, Promax was that, that um, yearly conference we all go to for promo writers and producers and I remember I was really inspired by this speaker who was talking about champagne spots on a beer budget. Right. I remember, I remember, remember that, that? Too. you have champagne. Yeah. I remember the name of that, that uh, session. Yeah. 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 And it was, it was that exact thing. It was just kind of like, you know, how can you make something really great with very little money? And right. sometimes that challenge is, it, it really just pushes you creatively to come up with an idea that's just like very, exciting because you're like okay wait we only have these 10 seconds what should we do with this i remember there was a spot that was being done i think it was like a integrated spot that had something to do with batman at the time i don't know the movie batman was coming out and i was really inspired by the spot that just literally had like the logo and some sound design and you can do so much with sound design you can do so much with you know, if you don't have a lot of money for like a graphic, sometimes the lack, like the space in between really tells a story. Like, do you find that like sometimes there's oh. spots that are just filled with graphics? And oh, sound. absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's- I'm going to mention, I'll mention one. Um, do you remember, do you know who Lee Menard 
is. Yes, uh, absolutely. Okay. Not well, but I know okay. of him. So Lee Menard was the head of WCBS promotion and mm -hmm. love that guy. Unfortunately, he's passed away, but just an amazing person. But we were doing Titanic. Now, this was a, a TV, w, you know, CBS TV movie before the, the, the Titanic movie came out. And a couple of funny things. One is at the time, I remember saying to Lee, this is really funny. This and, and this is talk about technology. I literally said to Lee, Lee, do you there's this thing called the Internet. Could we wire that to the computers, our cubicles? Because then I could download the material that I could use as research to write the promo. Mm. He said, no. He said, just tell me what you want. I'll print it out for you. So he <laughs> literally printed me out like five pages on the history of the Titanic. And wow. I wound up writing the, this promo. But what he did, which he was very talented at After Effects, which for those listening, it's a graphics program that you can do amazing things with. And it was so cool. And talk about sound design. Um, basically, the copy, basically what you saw was the word Titanic on a on a murky floating, you know, uh, ocean. And it was as and the, and the, the word Titanic was sinking and the voice comes on and it just says, um, she finally arrives. Wow. You know, Tuesday now. And it was like so cool. And Lee did the graphics for it. And I, like I produced it and we, you know, did the sound design, but it was so amazing. And it was probably just a, you know, it might have been a four second uh, ID. Right. But, but even the IDs and those listening, you know, every every hour you're supposed to have like a, a station identification, mm -hmm. even in a in a five second ID. um was it five seconds or four seconds? You, 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 you know, you, like, what can we do in five seconds? Right that's going to work. And most people would say, I can't do anything in five seconds. Exactly. But, but that, I think that, that literally helps you in life knowing that when you're putting that pressure to, to, to come up with those things with no, nothing in, in a short amount of time, I do believe that's helped me in life because, because you, you realize that you can do it. Yeah, exactly. You can right. say so much in such a little bit of time, you know, and it's it's so true. And I'm sure you feel the same way, too, that the clips of shows often are just so, so golden, like you you can spend time in an edit room rifling through different episodes, finding these little gems that that one little soundbite with like a graphic button can right. be your promo. And there's a spot that's on right now that I was watching the other night. It was on um, during the U.S. Open tennis for McDonald's. And it has. um clips from movies across uh, the board and shows did you see it well, and they're mentioning you know yeah. during mcdonald's and it, well, it's really fabulous editing you know ken you know ken well ken hamill right you yeah. remember ken which i yeah, i think i think i have to i think he's he's uh by by contract i have to mention him every podcast but i think he posted the mcdonald's the the, 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 the mcdonald's bag and on okay. the, and and on the bag it says this bag as seen in you know, Loki, and it was all of these movies. Right. And I and I I was like, what the hell is this? And then I went to McDonald's and I saw that that it's a current bag that they, you know, so I think oh, that okay. that commercial must be, you know, in partnership yes. with that. Tied to with that. that. Yeah. It's so yeah. genius. It's so cool. 
Yeah. yeah, it's it's so clever. They just found clips where every character is mentioning, you know, I'll have a Big Mac. I like the fish fillet or whatever it might be, and they wow. put it all together, and you're just like, wow, that whoever had that job screening all those and editing right. that, you know, I'm sure now there's some computer systems or you know bots right. that are like, right. find me clips of McDonald's. You know, right. but back when we did it, it that would have been hours and hours of screening. Right. And even during the, um, I don't know if you remember the Apple, when, when the iPhone came out again, I'm just going to, it's so sad because I literally either I'm going to cry or I'm getting chills. But when Apple, I believe when they launched the iPhone commercial on the Oscars, uh -huh. they had clips of all the people saying, hello, 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 yeah. Yeah. You, know, you know, and then the, at the end, just the, the logo and yeah. it literally, it's like, it was like, damn, that's a good idea. Like it was just yeah. so clever. Right. And, and those it's true when, when you could come up with something that's just so clever, mm -hmm. you, you, you get so excited. I mean, I get so excited to do that. And it's funny, you mentioned about even screening stuff. I mean, when I, when we did talk shows and, and you yeah. did, um, what other, what talk shows did you do? Uh, promos, you did talk uh, show promos, right? Yeah. I did a lot for we TV, like the Braxton's, Okay. Um, I, my gosh, I did like so many, it's hard to even think of the names at this point, but I did some for, um, Maury Povich at Jerry Spring, you know, you did right, some of right. those with like the Rob right. Port crew and, right. um, yeah. And that was just like a really fun genre. Like it was just, you know, some of them were really kind of you know, in the Braxton's in particular and we TV, they were have big arguments or Jerry Springer show. Like you just right. had to find moments where you're like, okay, wait, before we get into this, what's the story, you know, and what are we really saying here? And it was, um, it was kind of fun to just to explore, like what, right. what can you show in your promo? And sometimes you have to be careful because sometimes with an episode of a show, you can watch the whole episode and not a whole lot is happening right. and you have to make it seem in that promo. Right. Like it is amazing, you know, and, and that's tricky too. So, yeah, and I think people don't realize, I mean, I used to, um, you know, we would watch the entire show and we would, um, uh, write the time code for every soundbite that was right. there. Yeah. So, you know, like, so we used to do five or six, I you know, there were five shows a day, but I think we would do like a six promo, an extra one just in case. Mm -hmm. So, and again, for those listening, literally, I think I, at some point I wanted to, to someone just to stab me in the face. <laughs> you know, we just had to sit there. I, I would sit there with my laptop and just you'd have to watch the show and i kind of got to the point where i wouldn't even watch it i would just listen and any any sound bite any cue you know clever um you know sound i would write it and then i'd go back and you put the time code in this that and and again for anyone listening it's like just imagine doing an entire show it it literally was like death it, it was not <laughs> it's a lot of work and i don't know how i did so many because i you know and, I'm, and you did just as many but, it, but, you know, when it's a 30 second promo, you know, how difficult could it be? Yeah. Well, you got to watch the whole show. Yeah. yeah. Come up with an idea, do a graphics package, you know, do yeah. the sound. If you do, it's a lot of work. I mean, it's a lot yeah. of work. Wow. And you really have such respect for, it's funny. I did a lot of promos for AMC networks mm -hmm. and AMC is in the same building as WeTV and they're all, all owned by the same company. And so I was doing Wii TV promos and then I moved into doing some Sundance and some AMC, some IFC. Mm -hmm. And 
I was doing a project for AMC where they said, okay, we want you to do the promos for the last season of Breaking Bad. And I was like, wow, I'd love to do some of those promos. And I just said to the editor, I'm like, I'm not really familiar with the show. And at the time he was like, oh, no problem. Close the door. And we just had to watch episode after episode, Breaking Bad, getting through the show, getting the best clips, batching the clips and making the best promo. And it was fabulous. And he said, it's actually so great that you're seeing this all fresh because you're seeing this for the first time and you have a different eye for like what is going to attract new viewers and what, you know, what is it that you're seeing? You were hired here because you've done this for other networks and you've won a lot of awards for your experience in this, in this space. So how do you feel we should spin this and how do you feel we should promote this? And it's really such an art and so many hours go into the work that promotes the shows because the networks really feel like if they're not selling the shows, then, you know, they're not making revenue. But I think things are changing so much with like streaming now. It's like, you know, I don't even know who's really even watching all these great promos, you know, it's really, everything's changing, but. Well, it's it's funny. No, go on. I'm, I'm sorry. Go on. No, I was going to say another thing that was kind of cool was sometimes like for a while I was working for a friend, Glenn Schubert, who had a company called the Glenn Schubert Company. And um, he was doing when A&E Networks acquired Lifetime and they had like A&E History, Lifetime and ETV. E, what is it? ETV? Just E, you know, with the exclamation right. point. Right, right. <laughs> they were taking a movie and they were saying how you could take a movie and promote it across every different one of those brands. And they were showing how sometimes you could be given something. What we did was the Godfather and, you know, we were watching the Godfather and creating a promo for A&E. So that one was easy. That was very entertaining program history that was going into the history of the crime family. And, you know, the focus was on that. I was doing Lifetime, women's television, making like a love story. And I was trying to find clips of like Al Pacino and Diane Keaton. And like, I was having these little tender moments where they're sitting in a cafe and, you know, he says, how's your lasagna? And like that little moment was just so tender. And like, you know, then putting the right graphics and the right music, you're creating an actual promo for uh, one network and one brand with a very different tone and mood using the same material. And that to me is really fun. That's an amazing example. You know, that is a great, um, uh, not observation, but, you know, uh, exercise, you know, because it it's quite amazing that you, that you do, you have, you have the same movie and every, you know, well, each producer, but given a task for a different brand or, you know, network, and it's so cool that you can do, you know, a romantic godfather, a gangster godfather, um, yeah. you know, uh, uh, a silly godfather. I'm sure there's probably there's probably, you know, there's little silly moments where you could just do right. them goofing around. And yeah. it's funny because you mentioned um, Promax and uh, Promax, again, for those listening, it's a producer's convention. And it's so funny because I used to go every year. And I haven't gone in years because it was for, for promos. And I, I would go to Natby, which is the television like show uh, conventions. But they, right. but it's been in New York for a while. I don't know if it's still in New York. It was it was it was always like all over the country. And I would have, yeah. and then it was in New York. And I'm like, I could just walk over there. But, you know, like, you know, you're inspiring me to just go to, to watch because watching <laughs> these um, the, these crafted mini movies that are right. so creative 
Yeah. Um, it's so it's it's really just amazing to watch because when you're in that auditorium and they're showing these these commercials and the audience is like, you know, ooh ah, they all uh, ah. And again, it's just someone came up with a very clever idea. It's like, that's clever, you know, yeah. like, you know, and, and that's the difference. Like, what can we do that's just clever that you that nobody saw coming? You know, right, exactly. and those are the ones that are effective. So, yeah. And there was one year that I actually won best in cable at Promax for a, a spot that I did with actually Mark and Brad from Stun at the time. Mm. And um, the spot was taking we were launching tv land and my boss was saying okay what are we going to do tv land is everything from like the a team to the odd couple and we came up with this idea i had just seen the grammys where elton john was playing piano and eminem comes in and starts rapping mm. and so i was like wow what if we had like um mr t from the a team could be rapping and tony randall could come on on a piano and we could like show how those two things work together and so we did this tony and t rap and tony and t rap was like everybody at promax was buzzing about it that year and it's just it's so much fun when you do something that really resonates the, with everybody were they um was were it's funny because i think i vaguely remember i did you actually get tony in, re oh, in yeah. real life to yeah. do it so they, yeah. they actually did it Yes, they okay. did. It. Wow. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was it was really, really fun. Wow. And it's funny because I because when I was at WCBS, um, this was actually talk about it just as such a, uh, you know, such a crazy thing. But um, when when uh, Geraldo and um, Gordon Elliott, they changed, mm -hmm. they, they, they like Oprah was on at four and then either Gordon or or. Um, Gordon or uh, Geraldo like went against Oprah. Uh -huh. So, and, and, and I have to give a shout out to, do you remember Brad Saltoff? Does that name ring a bell? I'll give a, I'll give a shout out. Cause he helped me with it. But I was like, I was like, you know, one of them's going to, uh, the, the person, one of the talk show hosts that's going against Oprah, they're going to kill themselves. Don't ask me how I did it, but I got Gordon Elliott, who was a big talk show host at the I literally got him to go out to the roof of CBS and I literally had Geraldo drive up in a police car and he oh, gets, he, he gets out of the police car and he's goes, you know, uh, uh, don't jump, don't jump, don't jump. Uh, I'm switching to three and you know, you're switching to four. Like he, and he's like doing this up to, to, um, to Gordon, but we did it for real where they're like, really, you know, we got a police car, we got Geraldo and he's in the thing. So yeah. again, like, and it's funny because, you know, most people would think these ideas are insane. Right. Right. But I think that so. So even on that note, was there were there any ideas that you're that you pitch someone? Right. And they're like, Vicky, you're insane. And then your reaction <laughs> was like, great. When do we get started? Was there anything right. like that? That actually was one of those because I remember telling my 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 boss, I was like, well, what if we had, you know, Mr. T rapping and then Tony Randall and okay. she's looking at me like Tony Randall's going to play piano. Like, what are you kidding me? And, <laughs> you know, um, she said to me, I want you to come with me to pitch this to my boss. And I okay. felt like, oh, interesting, you know, like having this buffer to be able to be like, it was her idea. <laughs> and, um, and so we went right up to uh, Larry Jones was his name at the time. It was Kim Rosenblum who was walking me up there. And Larry Jones in the moment got right on the phone with the agents of both of them and was like, let's make this happen. And those are the times where you just feel like, wow, I'm so glad I 
I spoke up and said right. it because, you know, this idea really happened. And uh, another time I was working with a writer, Laura Belgray, who now is, has written a book and she's a, an amazing writer. But at the time she was a writer, freelance writer for Nickelodeon. And I was doing a project for Nick Preschool. And we were doing this whole thing on um, the holidays and having like, you know, the preschool shows, little clips from the preschool shows. And we were trying to think of a rap song. We had clips from Boots and Dora. And I said, okay, so we got Boots and Dora. So we can say like, it's a Boots and Dora day. And then she says the next line, a light the menorah day. And oh, I was wow. just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> we actually need wow. something rhyme with menorah, you know? Right. And so we we sang it a bunch of times and we were rapping it. And you have to like go there. You have to not be right. too shy to just like be, be rapping with each other and singing right. no matter what kind of voice you have or what style. And we just said, oh, this is such a great, this is such a great song. And we call it, it went like, I say holla, you say days, holla, days, holla, days. Mm-hmm. And then it, it it launched into this rap where like, it's a Boots and Dora day, I like the menorah day. And then it went <laughs> on and on, get Santa on his sleigh. And wow. it was just such a fun song. And we just literally went in and started singing it to Brown Johnson, who was the exec at that time. And she was like, I love it, ladies, let's make it. And wow. so then like working with Dave Barron, who's a creative uh, Baron and Baron. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just yeah. Yeah. to get a chance to work with Dave, who's like such an amazing composer, works with Lenny Kravitz, many, many other artists. Dave Barron, I will say, I'm going to give him a shout out. He's the one that composed He's Got It Going On by Charles Perez, which wow. which went through the roof. I mean, that's yeah. another story. But Dave Barron, Baron and Barron. God he's bless him. Amazing. So go to, yeah. yeah, tell us about it. Tell us, keep it going. What, yeah, what, what... so we we got, you know, we brought it to Dave. There wasn't a really huge budget. It was mostly a clip spot, like, you know, these little clips of literally Boots and Dora, a menorah, like all these right. different things. And um, he said, let's, I have a good guy who's a rapper. He'll do this for us for a decent price. We got a rapper. We did the song and um, the song came together. And that's just like you were saying, like those magical moments where you work on a movie, you know, you're not editing it till months after it's shot or, you know, however long it might take, but you're doing a promo and it's literally like you're pitching an idea and boom, they say go. And next thing you know, you're working with a great music composer, you're bringing in a rapper, you're putting it all together and you're working within your budget. Like it's, you know, it might not be, the a famous rapper it doesn't matter it's a song a singer that's going to do it for a certain budget and you're figuring out if you have the money in your budget for real strings or you know right right (laughs) people always say you know well how much you know uh how much money do you need and it's like well how much money will you give us because we sort of have to back it into you know if you're going to give us a dollar well we'll figure it out if they give us you know 100 grand or whatever you know like but 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 it's but what's cool is that um, you know, uh, being resourceful with the limited funds or resources right. clearly makes you better. And even um, Dave Barron, and, I, and I'll even mention, I'll give him a little shout out, but, but for him to be willing to do the job for whatever amount of money he, you were willing yeah. to do, but he thought it was a good idea. And he was yeah. like, this is so cool. And, and you never know where it will, will, will come from. And now, and now it's funny, 30 years later, here he worked on that and then even for me for charles perez i wanted you know same thing like i wanted to be like you know charles perez you know what's the hot thing in the you know uh, he's got it going on right. so 
you know, we uh, like I wrote a song with Dave Barron's like there was a singer and then they brought in a, a you know, a vocalist and then he wrote the lyric, you know, the thing, the the music and that, you know, we did a video and then it, it wound up being on Talk Soup and, you know, uh, Ricky Lake ran the video when Charles was on the show. And, you know, it was oh. a whole it was, yeah, it was a whole big crazy thing. But That's again, good. it just started at, you know, it started at some crazy idea right where people yeah. thought we were nuts right and i love it's so funny i i think nowadays if people don't say that i'm nuts then, I, then i'm like well that's that's a bad idea no. like yeah. i like one because because you want to you know right you say? and and like to that point about like low budgets and coming up with good ideas that whole idea of a champ you know whatever it is a uh champagne yeah, spot on a beer budget right. um there was a spot that I had to do for AMC that was really like, I felt like, oh, come on. I got like the booby prize assignment. It was like <laughs> a Christmas spot. And they said, okay, all day Christmas Eve, we're going to have Christmas movies. And then on Christmas day, we're going to have cowboy movies. So make a promo that talks about that. And I was like, that's so different. The genres could not be more different. And in a similar way to my brain thinking of like, well, Tony and T certainly were different. I came up with another song. I really like writing songs. I think songs really sell spots and make a fun promo. And I wrote a song called Cowboys for Christmas. And I started to sing it. Once again, I went into the creative director and I said, hey, what do you think of this song? It's I found out that, you know, public domain, the song. Um, how did, What is the song? Follow la la la, that song. Right, right. Um, right. I was like, that song is public domain. And um, this is how the song goes. It's to the tune of that. And I sang it to him and he's like, I love this, but we have like no budget. So how about you and I sing it? Mm. And I was like, great, let's sing it. And we went to um, Skinny Man at the time with Roy Roy Harder. Do you know him? He's another great audio guy. And we said, you know, we're going to sing. And here we were both like, you know, employees of, um, the company and this was for uh, IFC and we sang and it came out great and it was hilarious and the spot like got a lot of buzz and so it's it's that like taking chances and right. going there and just really kind of saying hey you know I have this really fun idea what do you think of this right. and not being afraid that someone's going to say what are you a lunatic you know right, <laughs> right. Like, and I think that all goes back to those days at NBC like we said like you know jumping in and making a promo and being like I can do this you know right. even though I just finished mini control two minutes ago you know it's and, like and even watching you know it's funny um because that's the thing when I watched Randy Pyburn did and you didn't work with Randy Pyburn right little tiny the, bit at okay. the end yeah What's interesting, and again, I always say this for for anyone that's listening or anyone that has kids that 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 want to get into any creative field or or whatever they want to get into. I mean, I remember Randy Pyburn. If we wanted to launch a man into the moon, mm-hmm. he would say, he he would just he'd be like, yeah, we could do it. Yeah, you know, yeah. No idea how we could do it, but he's like, yeah, we could do it. Yeah, and and I'm like, out. how do you do? So one of the things that I learned fr- from watching people, and I'm, and again, I'm sure that there's probably many, many younger folks that watched you, you mm-hmm. know, uh, even if it was in passing, they're right. like, I'm watching Vicky, she's, and even if you're directing something, you know, because there was, I'm sure there were younger folks like on the set or whatever, they're yeah. watching you and they look at how you respond to either something that doesn't, that goes right or doesn't go right how right. you react to it, what you do. 
and mm-hmm. how you how you solve the problem. Right. And then that mm-hmm. young person will will literally grow up to to say, when I was little, you know, I watched Vicky right. do it because that's what I did. I watched Pyburn and and Buddha Bruce Brower, who's a, yeah. who he started. It was really funny. He had long hair. Down yeah, I remember. Bush. The <laughs> first the first day he ever did a, a project was with me. So Pyburn oh, really? was like, yeah, it was like, catch. This is Bruce. Wow. We call him Buddha. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And and he didn't know what he was doing. And Bruce, to his credit, was like, I'm going to just do 400, put put 400 more hours into whatever I have to do. So he he would go in and like go into network. He go he'd go into the network equipment and like Mm -hmm. three in the morning and use the rotoscope and use the HAL. I guess the HAL. Do you remember the HAL? Like, I I don't even know what these machines are. So all (laughs) these and he's doing, all you know, so we came up with some ideas. He would he would just painstakingly work on it for like a thousand hours and come up with these amazing graphics and all this other stuff. And, and, and again, uh, by watching him, same thing. When I had to do something, you say like, you know, like we can do this. What can we do? Right. You come up, you come up with, with creative ways. of Yeah. uh, And that's why, I mean, you really have to have a passion for it because it's certainly not a nine to five type of job. You know, it's like one of those great ideas that you come up with, they can say, sure. Yeah, let's do this, but let's do this could mean, and we're all going to be working our butts off for the next, you know, however, how long till it airs. And it's like, you don't even think about that. Like you're so into that creative process that you right. just get lost like time just kind of slides away and you're just so in it that you're just loving every minute of it right and exactly you said, yeah you said something earlier about inspiring the younger people and it made me think of like how amazing is it that we have to give a shout out to uh trossler and her daughter who's now Paige. oh yes 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 it's so yes. amazing <laughs> yes generation ages you know i think elizabeth um I think she posted that she's going to be in New York to they're shooting stuff for the 90th anniversary uh, wow. party or, or the, or wow. the anniversary, whatever they're doing. So right. some, I don't know if they're flying her uh, by the time this airs uh, she, this may have already had taken place, but, but uh, yeah, they're doing stuff for the 90th anniversary. And then it's so cool that she, it's so funny. Cause I think of her as a 20 year old thing and to yeah, think she I know. Kid, right. So yeah, they're doing all this stuff. Then her kid is is a page. So yeah, she's learning so cool. like we did. Yeah. And it's oh, so it's... fun to see that, like that next generation of page, you know. Right, right. It's right. fun. Wow. So I guess um, you know, I guess we'll take a moment because we we were talking about um uh got on a generations. Very... Yeah. No, no, so so interesting. Um, but you mentioned, you know, some of these friendships and and again, Trossler, her daughter, Dave Schiff, all the folks that have been on the show. I actually got an email. It's really funny. I got an I got a submission to be on the show today from someone from 1969. Wow, that's uh, which is insane. And we have folks from the 70s, and then we have folks, you know, uh, you know, modern day and such. Yeah. But um, but some of the friendships that you had. Tell me about some of the friendships that you've made. And maybe if there were any special folks that that come to mind. Yeah, for sure. And that's the thing too. Like right now, I also, I've transitioned into doing some wellness work and I really love energy healing and working with people to kind of just like 
change their mood if they're feeling blue. I learned this like about 15 years ago and I studied it and it's something I do as like a side passion. And the whole thing that we're trying to do is get people to be mindful, to be in the now, to enjoy the moment. And one thing when I look back at being a page, like sometimes you see those posts on social media and stuff that's like, if you could tell one thing to yourself of 20 years ago, what would you say? What would your advice be? And the advice is like, be in the now, enjoy the now. I really feel like all of us at as pages, we were so in the now. Every single day that we put that uniform on, like we were there, we were on our A game and we were just like so much enjoying each other's company. And hanging out in the page lounge, literally, again, there weren't cell phones, there weren't like the kind of distractions that there are today, like you weren't looking at scrolling through TikTok or Instagram or any of that like stuff that now kids, when you look at a group of kids, you see all of them on their phones, like, we were entertaining each other. You know, I remember there was a moment where Ellie Baranczyk came in with a tiny little camcorder and we were all like, what's that? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Ellie Baranczyk. Another name, great name for the past. And (laughs) recently Paul Mariello, he actually sent me that. He was like, look at this. This is from Ellie. It's like watching that footage and how we we were all like, what is that? Is that a camera? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Wow. You know, now when you think of like selfies and cameras, but anyway, I'm getting off track. The whole point I was trying to make is that we were really enjoying each other. We were really there for each other. And the friendships that we made, I mean, look at us, we're here and I'm talking to you and I don't want it to end, you know? And I feel like there's been a lot of things over the years where it's just like, you see a post that someone, one of our page friends wrote in Facebook and it brings us all back instantly. And for me, I had a very special friendship with a lot of you, but there was one person in particular, Scott Babishak, who really was my best friend during those years and for many years after, because he too went into the world of promos and we had very parallel careers and we were both living in the city. And what was interesting was I had never had a friendship with a male that was like really such like almost like a brother sister. Like we were kind of like Elaine and Jerry on Seinfeld. You know, I remember you too. I mean, I, yeah. I remember like you were Jerry. I mean, you were together all the time. I don't know why. I, yeah. I don't know what your relationship was, but right. we were together a lot. And, and yeah. I, I figured you, and I don't there know was, what tell you, you know? Yeah. There was a lot of people that would be like, Oh, come on. Don't you like Scott? <laughs> like you or what's happening. And it really was just like this tremendous. I mean, I completely loved him and I know it was mutual, but it was like, we would take each other to weddings if we needed a date. We would cry on each other's shoulders if we had a breakup. Like it was just like this really crazy connection that um, was just such a beautiful friendship that lasted for a long time. And then, you know, as life goes on, like I'm married now 21 years and um, he got married and had very, very close to when I got married. And um, sadly uh, in May of 2022, last May, he passed away. And um, it really kind of was that shocking moment because instantly I got a text message from Paul Mariello's wife, who I had never met. And I didn't even had, hadn't spoken to Paul, who was very close also with Scott, hadn't spoken to Paul in so many years. But I got this text message from his wife. And she was like, um, my husband needs to speak to you. And he's not on Facebook. So can you text him? And 
she gave me a number and I just, I got this feeling. I was like, oh my gosh, something happened to Scott, like instantly. And I hadn't talked to Scott in like 20 years. Like when life takes oh, really? you to that place where you both get married, you both start families. You know, yeah. I remember I called him and I said, I'm getting married. And he was like, oh, congratulations. And then he called me a few months later, I'm getting married. And then, <laughs> you know, we had babies that are well, like kind of the same age. And what's very weird is my first baby, my son was born on Scott's birthday, weirdly. Really? So, wow. you know, these weird connections in the universe. But anyway, um, I got this text and I called Paul immediately. And Paul said, you know, Scott passed away very suddenly. And um, it was just like this, this instant connection. We were, we were talking, we were together. We all went to the funeral. We saw Dave Shire and Kathleen Sweeney were there and Bob Wall. And we were all together and we were having a drink and toasting Scott and talking about him and talking about some of the memories and stuff. And it really just makes you realize that like, all of that just comes right back. Like it's, it's right there for all of us. Those memories are alive and the love and the, the feelings that we all had for each other and the fun memories and that, that, that camaraderie that, you know, Paul and I were talking and he was saying like, I never had anything like that in my life. I was never in a fraternity. I said, I was never in a sorority. Like right. it was just this group of people all the same age put together. And Scott and I had this incredible friendship and, it's something I really treasure. And all these years later, you know, to now know that he's not in this world is just, I mean, we've all lost people we love over the years. I mean, my gosh, we weren't pages for 30 years now. So, I know, it's funny, right, right. you know, a lot of people who have passed, but the whole idea that you're kept alive by the memories, you're kept alive by the feelings and emotions that are in your heart and that can so quickly be recalled, even by hearing someone's name. Right. And that's something that I really, I really treasure. Like I will always have these amazing memories of Scott and at his funeral, seeing his mom and dad. And instantly after all these years, they were just like, Vicky, oh my gosh. And meeting his wife under such ter terrible circumstances and, and his daughter, and now being in touch with all of them and being able to share Scott stories and a piece of Scott that, you know, that for them to see that that's been kept alive in me this whole time. And it's like, my family has heard funny Scott stories. And, you know, it was funny because I was sharing with Paul a very hilarious story. We talked about Promax and Bruce, ba Bruce Bauer and Marty Geller. Yeah. And Scott worked for WNBC doing promos and working with the both of them quite a lot. And one year, the four of us were at Promax and those three guys were sharing a, a room in the hotel and there were jokesters. They were always teasing each other. And Scott, <laughs> Scott had a um, sense of humor that was very like sophomoric, you know, like he could be like, just laugh. And we could just have these belly laughs for like hours about like something really ridiculous. But I noticed that Marty's name tag was changed so that Marty Geller didn't say Marty Geller. Scott nudges me and he goes, take a look at Marty's badge look closely. And it said farty smeller. <laughs> and Scott was like dying laughing like a third grader, you know? And I was like, Scott, oh my God. And so we start cracking up and I'm just like, that's terrible. And Bruce obviously being the graphic genius, like he is definitely was the one that had doctored that up. But the joke was on Scott because instead of saying Scott, baby, baby, um, Babishak, it said Scott, baby shit. <laughs> <laughs> so he's there with this name tag that says that 
and he's laughing about Marty's. And I just was like, you're all crazy. Like, this is hilarious. You know, it is funny. Uh, you mentioned those guys. Cause when, when I was there, we, we had, uh, it was, well, we called him Buddha. Uh -huh. they, they called me Katmandu and, mm -hmm. and Marty was, um, I can't think of what more. Everybody had a nickname. <laughs> so it's like, so it is, it's they're 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 all four-year-olds. So I don't know. But yeah, they were like hilarious. And I just I just walked away. I was like, okay, you guys have a laugh about this. But Scott looked down and like pulled off his badge and was like, oh my God, you know. And it was it was just so funny. And he and I just had so many funny memories and funny laughs. And now I'm in touch with Paul and bringing a lot of that back. And we've been talking about having a page reunion and all getting together. And it's like, I know a lot of us bring that up on Facebook. Hey, let's have a page reunion and 10 years go by, you right, know, right, right. Um, my kids are now like 16 and 18. And I'm like, how oh about that page reunion? But um, I think it would just be so great because having moments like this that you and I are having now and feeling that and sharing those memories about people that we were so close with and keeping them alive. It's just so important to keep those memories alive. Right. It's funny because it's true. Um, it's weird because, you know, as we go through life and 30 years has passed by since, um, it's amazing how it's like at some point, you know, like you sort of say to yourself, you know, we're not going to be here forever. Right. Um, and you see people that have passed away and you're like, oh, wow. Like, like we, we really need to like, do you, you really need to like get on the ball and do these things yeah, and because, celebrate be, now, yeah you because know? things do pass and and it's true because even talking to the you know everyone on the podcast and and it's so cool because i get a kick out of when i see on facebook and everybody you know comments and this it's literally like like we've all yeah. time has stood still and everyone is just responding and i think and i remember um you know if you and it's probably you in your in your wellness training and, and, and teachings, you know, uh, I remember <laughs> this is really weird, but, but I remember, uh, like I was dating someone at the time, uh, back in the, in the thing. And, you know, that like, like the, the amount of joy that I got on a daily basis. And I was like, if I could wake up every day feeling this good, uh, I'm, I'm set. And then, then, you know, uh, for those that know the story, you know, uh, things uh, <laughs> didn't work out, but um, but she's still amazing. Um, but I still look back and said, I'm grateful. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if the, to have had those sure. th those experiences. Of course. So I think that's the thing is that if you could look back and remember Scott, and it's funny because I, you know, I always think of Scott as like basically Superman standing on a hill. Am I wrong? Mm -hmm. <laughs> just basically, all he needed was a cape. Um, but I too, you know, he worked in the department of in WNBC with Rob yeah. Port, and he was sort of doing the thing. But he was, you know, he was always such a nice guy. Um, uh, and you know, if you could look back at those moments with Scott, or or moments as being a page and doing all these yeah. fun things, at some point, you know, if you could go through life every day just having fond memories, yeah, and then and then you're not breathing anymore. <laughs> Right. Well, then you then you've you've sort of you've you've made it, you know, because right. that's the goal, because we're not going to be here forever. But if you could figure out how to be happy every day and yeah. look at those moments that are that are magical, yeah. um, that's the best part about it. So exactly. And then, you know, like scientifically, like with the stuff that I've studied with energy healing, those memories and emotions literally live in your energy. So you can just kind of sit and think of someone and it comes right back into your your feelings. And 
it's there's actually been these like studies done where someone can have an experience of like going to Aruba, for example, and then they, you know, they measure their frequency and stuff. And then they can actually just sit and meditate and imagine they're in Aruba and your cells don't know the difference. So cellularly and your frequency, you know, it doesn't really know the difference. Your body doesn't know the difference between what you're thinking and imagining and the actual experience. And so keeping those memories and feelings alive. It's just like, we all have the power to keep people and experiences alive in our hearts. And I think as pages, we're really great at doing that. And it's like, it's so sad to think that we can't share time eternally with people on this earth, but to know that we keep them alive in the energy in our hearts and in our, in our feelings and emotions and memories and laughter. I mean, you know, here we were at Scott's funeral, but seeing Bob Wall, who's like, you know, and I can't believe you're mentioning Bob Wall. Now I'm going to say if Bob (laughs) Wall is listening to this, this uh, podcast, first of all, I love the guy. Yeah. And I could tell you stories about Bob Wall. He's he's like he reminds <laughs> me of of what what was the show? Oh, nobody with Better right. Call Saul with uh, that, that oh, movie. Yeah, nobody. Yeah. That's <laughs> Bob Wall. He, he's like this unassuming guy, but he's <laughs> actually a killing machine. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, and, but and tell me about Bob. Tell Jeff me about Bob. Vaughn was there, too. Oh, Jeff Vaughn. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And oh, it really God. like what you were saying, like, tell me about Bob. It felt like time stood still. You know, it was like I was like, here's Bob Wall, like fresh out of mini control. You know, and <laughs> Jeff Vaughn he cracks me up. Bob short, cracks me up. You know? He's And I want him to get on the pod- podcast. He's like the funniest. Yeah. He He's like such an unassuming guy, but he's like hilarious. And he right. he, and he cracks it, me up. Yeah. Oh my God. And so we just, you know, we were there under such sad circumstances, but we all kept saying, you know, Scott would want us to be together. He'd want us to be laughing. He'd want right. us to be sharing all these stories. And, you know, here I am telling this ridiculous story about name tags at Promax, but everybody's cracking up because they're remembering how Scott had that sense of humor that was just like silly, like, you know, like a, right. a child, like kind of sense of humor. And right. we all were just cracking up about his his whole being like, and it, right. it just kind of brought it all back. And I think that, you know, he's really a special person that will always be remembered by all of us in a, in those fond ways and in those memories. Yeah. No, amen. Oh, he, yeah, he's, it's, yeah. Tr- it's, it's, I remember him fondly and, and, and it's true. I, you know, it's one of those things I can't, I can't believe it. Uh, and- it, it literally makes no sense. Yeah. And it, what's crazy too, is like, just sometimes like the connections in life, like you and I are talking and you're like, oh my gosh, we did like parallel lives with WNBC and then promos. And Scott and I were kind of in that same path as well. I did the WNBC promos assignment before he did. And then I was talking so much about it, like, oh, and you get to make this promo and it's really great (laughs) that like, when I was finished with it, he applied for it and he got the assignment. And so I was the one training him and I was like, this is how you make a promo and this is what you do. And then you bring Chuck and Sue here. And and he was like, wow, this is awesome. And of course, when his assignment ended, they wanted to hire a writer producer. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want this job. And he was like, I want the job too. And he was like, do you want me to not go for it? Because you had this before me. And he was such a gentleman, like so kind. We worked in such an industry that was like very, very like, you know, backstabbing and competitive And he was just like, I don't feel right. If I apply for this, are you okay with that? And I said, are you kidding me? They love you. You got to apply for this. 
I'll apply as well. Who knows what will happen? And of course, like you said, Superman on the Hill, he gets the job. <laughs> and so wow. I come like, wah, wah. You know? <laughs> and so I, um, I was like, hey, that's okay. No problem. And it was ironic that just a few months later, you know, Jenny Alonzo was like, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm going to have a baby. And would you come and do my job for a while and be the manager of the department? So I was like, oh, look at that, Scott. I'm going to be your boss for <laughs> you know? And that was really fun. And Scott and I had very parallel experiences at NBC. We had the escort assignment, as you were talking about at the yes. beginning. We were um, talent escorts. And that was like, when I think back- Now, you didn't, like, now you didn't have to sleep with folks, did you? Is that, that was a whole different, okay. Uh, no, but no, there so tell is us, a funny story. Yeah, tell us about that. Like, so- Marcy Klein apparently had promised the job to Cynthia Paul. And there were some people that like at the time. Shout Cynthia out to Cynthia Paul. Hi, Cynthia. Cynthia. Hi, we, we love you, Cynthia. Okay, Hi, sister. She always <laughs> says that she's my sister because people in the page program would say we looked alike. You do look and a little so bit alike. I went up and I applied for it. And Marcy thought I was Cynthia, who she had uh -huh. promised it to. So Ooh. I really got it because she thought I was somebody else, but Hey, wow. you know, and Scott got it because he was Scott. you know. <laughs> and so it was so fun to have, like, they always had one, one girl, one boy, one male, one female, and we would be in our page blazer, but we got to wear jeans and it was like right. cooler than cool to be like in your jeans. And then back then again, there were no cell phones, no texting. So they would tell us literally they would come and tell us where the cast party was. And it was our job to kind of spread that news, then order the limo and literally get in the limo with the guests and bring them to the party. And for that, we had to get dressed really nice. So I would always have like a nice dress and be excited that I was going to this cast party with Steve Martin and his wife, Victoria. And across the limo, I would look at Scott and we'd just be like, oh my God, like one of those Brian Grossman right. moments that you right. had just in such awe. You know, and then I just wanted to loop that back to what you said at the beginning when you were when you were announcing me in your fabulous announcement, <laughs> you said something about the peppermint lifesaver and how that switched. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because thank goodness I had had a prior experience riding in a limo with Chuck Scarborough very early on in my page time. I had to take Chuck to a location for one of those promo shoots. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm actually in the back of a car with Chuck Scarborough. And I had to get over those nerves. Like, it was yeah. so silly. But I, I was having this moment of like, oh, my gosh. And I reached into my my bag to get a lifesaver. And I, I was having the lifesaver. And I said to him, would you like a lifesaver, <laughs> Chuck? And he was like, sure, I'd love one. And I go to hand him the lifesaver. And my hand is like shaking, like ridiculous. And he takes the lifesaver. And I just sat there and I thought to myself, okay. If you're going to be this page at NBC and you're going to have all these great experiences, you better get used to this, like hanging with celebrities. And right. so fast forward to the um, the talent escort, you know, being in a limo with like Edie Brickell and Paul Simon, I think I might have like, you know, burst. Right. So it was right. a good night. I had my practice, you know. Well, let's rewind a little bit. We'll, we'll unpack yeah. some of that because, again, it, it it's so fascinating. And again, like I I it's those things where you pinch yourself. You're like, what is going on here? So yeah. again, for the listeners, you know, when you're, you know, there was an assignment to work for SNL for let's say three months at a time. And then you would work at the desk. Uh, and I had that, that page assignment with Dave Schiff, which we had spoken about. 
Yeah. And, uh, or, you know, Dave, we did our marathon uh, podcast with Mr. Chef. We love you, Chef. Um, <laughs> and then, then Marcy Klein would also have this party, which, you know, was a big secret. And then yep. sometimes, sometimes she would, they would print it out on little pieces of paper, little slips of paper. Right. They, they didn't want to know nobody. They didn't want anybody to know where the party was going to be. Right. You know, but, but, it, but like, and it's true. See, it's funny because nowadays with it, with you would text it and the whole world would know. But back right. then it was no. like they, Marcy would come up with a secret place and she's right. like, we're going to have a party at uh, some, coffee some shop. bar. Yeah. yeah, whatever it was. Right. The coffee shop. Yeah. And and then they hired uh, talent escorts. So mm-hmm. you and Scott at the time, uh, which which I do remember, um, you know, we we all had to wear uniforms if you were working like the eighth floor or whatever. But for the escorts, they did allow you to wear like jeans and a jacket or look cooler. Yeah. So you yeah. guys got the got the those assignments, and then uh, so you so explain to folks like uh, did you know what what happened on that night? Like, did you go somewhere? Yeah. Did you meet them? How'd you bring them? Yeah, so it was- t- explain that. It was kind of like a game of telephone, you know, like that we play as kids where you whisper in someone's ear and then it whispers and whispers, you know, like, so Marcy would say, okay, the party's at the coffee shop. And then you'd have to be like the coffee shop, the coffee shop, the coffee (laughs) shop. And like everyone, there'd be like this excitement. And of course, the first people you wanted to tell were your fellow pages. Right, right, right. Gotta go, you know. And then um, we would have like a spot, I guess, at the back of 8H where they would have like, you know, one of the guys, either Marcy or Mike at the time. Yeah, Mike would, Shoemaker. Yeah, Mike Shoemaker. they would like escort them to the limo and we'd be there in the limo. It was we Nice see- Guy's Limousine. Nice, nice Guy, do you remember, <laughs> yeah. do you remember the name? It was, yeah, it was yeah. Max. Max was the owner of, of Nice Guy's Limousine. So yeah, well, it certainly wasn't an Uber, you know. It wasn't an Uber, yeah. Right. And it's true, no Uber. They were, we had yeah. town, and that's another thing. Back then, there were town cars and they call you had to have an account and you either have a voucher. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's true when we were like 20 year old, you know, back then it was like, here is a voucher to get a limo to go home. (laughs) And you're like, you know, this was unheard of. But yeah, it was like, (laughs) I made it big in a car. Okay. So go on. So so they would tell so they would escort you uh, or they would so they would bring you the talent. They would they would. Yes. We'd be waiting by the limo. We'd put them in the limo. We'd ride with them. We would be able to, you know, tell the driver where they were going. And, you know, it was just really pretty amazing to be having that experience of just like, okay, pinch me. I'm in a limo right now with Steve Martin. You know, it's just really crazy. And um, again, that's one of those moments that's just filled with awe where, you know, now when I tell my kids, I'm like, mommy wrote it a little with it. And they're like, okay. Right. <laughs> like, right. He's like, who the hell Steve Martin? But it's true. <laughs> and as, like, as pages, right. Working the show as a page and especially yeah. even, I guess, Brooke, uh, Bazell was, uh, was a talent escort or she worked the green room. Oh, actually I'm going to tell a funny, uh, um, Nancy Biscupic story in a second, but, uh-huh. but all these famous talent and all the pages. So here it is. Most of us had, you know, we just graduated. Right. We're working in the building and it wasn't like, you know, it was kind of like, here go, you know, like, by the yeah. way, you're going to go have to, you're going to go tell uh, Bruce Springsteen uh, yeah. that, you know, whatever it was. And I think you had a Bruce Springsteen story. Did you have a Bruce yeah, Springsteen? Yeah, I did. Why don't you yeah. tell the Bruce Springsteen quick, quickly? That's a good segue. Yeah. To that, but 
It, it was just like um, I was doing something for the Letterman show. I never had that assignment, but I was doing like um, elevator or one of the, you know, tasks. And Bruce Springsteen was just practicing. And someone who was working on the show was like, oh, do you want to come in and watch? And I literally was like, I can do that. I can come <laughs> right. and watch. And I was just literally like three feet away from Bruce Springsteen. And I mean, who didn't grow up memorizing every single word to every song? And, you know, he's he's there playing. And I, I just literally was like goosebumps head to toe thinking, this is crazy. I'm standing here watching Bruce Springsteen play and in this empty room. And it was just it was phenomenal. It's so. things in your life that um, and I and I say it, you know, there are things that happen that never in your life will ever you'll ever have those experiences. And I and I mentioned this on a previous podcast, I think actually right right over my shoulder where the air conditioner is in yeah. that if I if I wasn't connected, I would get it. I have the the David Letterman cue cards of wow. the last show where Letterman says uh, our last final guest on NBC is oh Bruce gosh. Springsteen. So they're wow. literally sitting right right behind me. So again, wow. how the hell do I have the you know if 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 Dave's listening, but how do I have the cue cards of Letterman's last show where they mention Springsteen being his last guest? Yeah, it's it's if we could go through life just enjoying those insane moments. I know that's it's the thing. So it's so and, crazy. Yeah. And one of those moments, like you said, was that, that clap at the end of Saturday. Oh, yeah. That was just, I think again, those feelings that just like live in your energy sounds and motions. And the fact that like, Saturday Night Live would start to play the song at the end of the show and right. we would all clap along. It's just now when I watch Saturday Night Live and I imagine us it, as pages, right. you just you just feel it in your whole body that like those two claps just really meant so right. much, you know? And it's yeah, funny how you say you got cue cards back there because literally in my closet, I have my page uniform. Oh, really? I have <laughs> it somewhere so with you. Because it's like, I'm like, were we allowed to keep this? Yeah, and I, think, I think so. I don't know. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know, but I have it. And every time that I've cleaned my closet, I'm like, oh, I'm not throwing this way. You oh, know, no. and maybe I'll be this for Halloween and maybe I'll wear this. And oh, it's, yeah. You know, it just feels like crazy that it's that long and it still fits and you just feel so proud. And right. it's just funny. But you hold on. People, yeah, people always made fun of the of the jack of the uniform. And I know that, um, you know, they they've since they're very high end now and they're very elegant and this and that. But again, if I had to wear a garbage bag uh, to do yeah. it, uh, I was like, okay, no problem. So right. I was honored to do it. And, and, and even though it was polyester um, and the, and the shoes were, ter you know, terrible, but I don't know, yeah. like, actually it's true. I mean, that was the end, you know, you are, you are NBC when you put that uniform on. So yeah. it, it didn't matter what I was wearing. Um, it was just, iconic right. and i didn't mind doing it yeah so we'll go through a couple other things um one is the the famous uh 30 rockefeller christmas sing-along the wnbc oh, if anyone's from new york and listening to this every year they, they probably still do it there is a sing-along where everybody's singing either jingle bells or rudolph the red-nosed yeah. reindeer and down on the rink uh, by 30 Rock, the famous roller skating or ice skating rink. Yeah. Uh, everyone from WNBC, they set up bleachers and they do a sing along. And I think, well, and local promotion, local, uh, you know, WNBC creative services or local AMP, right. 
that was the department, you know, our department that was responsible for producing the sing-along. Yeah. And, and the big thing was like, do you have a ticket to go to the sing-along? Like who, you know, I want to be in the sing-along. So tell, tell us your, you know, your story with the sing-along and, and, and oh, that, that was just, that was another one of those pinch me moments when, you know, Rob was putting together the promo and he just said, you know, Vicky, you work in the department. We're all going to be on the bleachers. And that's and Rob Port. We'll say Rob Port. We'll give Rob, Rob, Port. Rob Port yes. a, a shout and out. Rob, yep. Rob Port. Yeah. <laughs> Good job on the Jack Ryan episodes. You know, he writes now for Jack and, Ryan. And numbers. He writes, he, he's written many numbers episodes. He's, he has yeah. an Academy Award. God bless him. Go, go yeah. on. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, he was the one putting it together. And um, again, they would pick a Christmas carol that was public domain that everybody could sing and, you know, they could use it on the air. And there would be like Tony Guida and Al Roker and all of the greats from WNBC. And, you know, we would just be standing in between them. And it, you felt in that moment, like you were just as, as important as all of them. Like you were a part of this team and nobody was like, okay, they're going to stand on the top bleacher and you're going to be way in the back. It was like, right. you were all together and you were singing together and the camera was getting everybody and editing different, you know, angles and shots. And I just felt so proud that like my grandma who lived with me, lived with my family since I was 10, you know, she would call me and she, she would say, I saw you today. And she had like a very thick German accent. And she'd be like, I saw you three times, you know, and I'd be, <laughs> that I'd Dr. Like, oh. Ruth right there. That was a good <laughs> little Dr. Ruth. <laughs> Sorry, Oma, you know, she's passed now, but um, yeah. And she, she would just every single time it was like hilarious. Like you and I know how promos get scheduled and how they're filling that black, right. but there would be a 30 second version, a 20, a 10, a 15. Like they really melt that they, they had many different lengths and many different cuts. And she would just keep track and call me and just be like, I saw you again. And I just, it just made me so proud. Like I just felt so happy. And then the second year is when I was filling in for Jenny and they asked me again. And I was like, wow, this is really two years in a row. I'm singing wow. under the tree, 30 rock. Wow. Yeah. So, it's really, it, it's amazing. And it, I mean, it, it really is such an honor and it's so funny you mentioned about, and again, it's, it's not that way today, but when they ran those promos, uh, yeah. cause there were so many different versions. Uh, right. it's true. If you, you know, like people would, people would see their themselves or, or whoever was on, on air. Like I was watching channel four and I saw you on channel four. Like you'd be yeah. walking down the street and say, I saw you on channel four. And it's like, yeah. really, you know, and, and, yeah. you know, back then it was a kind of a big deal because that was the only way to get on television. There was no YouTube, there was no right. anything. Exactly. So it was yeah. like, this is the network and we're on the right. network, you know? Yeah. Um, so just to be a part of that um, was insane, was, was also insane. And then did you work, uh, well, WNBC was on the seventh floor, mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong. And, and what was so cool is that when we were ripping scripts, did you ever rip scripts for the news? I don't know. I did that, that for nightly news. But nightly. Not, not okay, which will be a perfect segue into my, my next question. But <laughs> okay. but WNBC overlooked mm -hmm. the tree and mm -hmm. we used to yes. rip the script. So I remember again, another pinch me moment. I'm sitting here looking out the window and I'm sort of eye level with the tree and I'm ripping scripts for the newscast. And right yeah. in front of me, they light it, you know, and it's like, wow. boom. I yeah. mean, again, I, I could have just jumped out the window at that time. Like, it's <laughs> insane. What, yeah. Who the hell is ripping scripts, watching them light the tree? I know. Um, 
you know, even it was funny, even when I worked for Jenny Jones, I was doing the Jenny Jones promos and I'm going to give a shout out to um, he does Sunny in Philadelphia. He's the editor for Sunny in Philadelphia. He was my editor. Josh, is, is it Josh? I can't remember his last name. Totally great guy. I believe he's an editor for Sunny in Philadelphia, but he was like a brand new right out of college editor. And he was wow. doing the Jenny Jones promos. And again, I'm giving a shout out to Nancy Biskupic, who I I was friendly with with Roker, who I got her the Roker, uh, the Chuck's job. And then she became she worked for Roker. But I remember I was going to watch the the lighting of the Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. And I and I think Nancy had gotten me tickets because I think at that point she was working for Roker. So I remember Josh was like, can I come? And I was like, yeah, let's we'll see if we could get you. So I remember we bought a tray of hot chocolate and I had a pa- one pass and I and there was a, a million people at, you know, at, at, at the at the rink. And uh, I've literally I go up to the police and I show my my press pass, whatever it was. And they parted ways and, and they look at him. Oh, he's with me. And he's carrying this whole tray of hot chocolate. And we're going like one thing after the next. We get to the center where. Roker was there, um, Matt Lauer, his wife, and we, the hot chocolate was for them. It was actually for Roker and, and Matt and his wife. And mm. and the guy who was my editor, he was just the, you know, he was the delivery guy. But of course, he stayed there. So, again, how cool is it? Because, like, I'm sharing the love. Like, I was able to bring this kid, which, you know, who is 20 years old, dead center watching Al Roker right behind the camera as he's doing the, the lighting of the Christmas tree <laughs> again, just shoot me in the face, you know? Right. So and do you feel like now as like a mom, like living in New Jersey, schlepping in, like, come on kids and husband, let's all go see the tree. And it's like right, right, right. crowds and everything. And you're just like, Oh my gosh, right. we used to just like walk past the tree or right. look at the me from the you know right. and we just were so lucky because now it's like this event and you're like you know in all this traffic and you're you know in this big crowd and it's it's just um it's just amazing to think how fortunate we were yeah if we showed up there and we <laughs> wanted to go to the tree or go even go into 30 rock you know it's a whole song and dance and you're like don't you know who I am? We, we were, you know, we, we we should, you know, we should get that like lifetime pass where you just walk in and I go to 30 rock all the time. You know, I mean, I live right, you know, down the street. So I was there. I'm, I'm always, whenever I walk, I will sort of cut through and I always look at it. And, 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 and 99% of the, of the uh, stores are still empty, which Mm. they were empty when we were there. I I don't know how they've never, (laughs) every other week, they're all out of business. Well, but, maybe uh, this year we should um maybe this year we can meet there in our uniforms and like direct the traffic. Oh, be hilarious! Fun. They'd be like, "What the hell's you know?" <laughs> um, okay, so we'll we'll do sort of a lightning round um to wrap up some things. I just sure. so one thing was the nightly news. Oh yeah, you had the nightly news. I guess you had gotten the nightly news assignment, and then we'll give a shout out to the person you're going to mention. So tell yeah. us about that experience. Oh, that was great. I when I went to college, I was a broadcast journalism major and I did the I did anchor the news for Ithaca College and I really mm. did like the idea of like being on camera. Mm. And I was thinking of getting a job as a reporter and I kind of was exploring that. So, I thought after doing the WNBC promo assignment, a next step for me to get experience would be, hey, let's see what a real 
nightly network newsroom is like. Oh, and yeah. I got the nightly news assignment. And now this was oh. not advertising and promotions. This was actually the team that's putting the news on the air every night, Tom Brokaw. And so I got the assignment and Rich Gardella had just finished the assignment. So he was the one that was training me because you'd always have like a little bit of overlap with the one that was exiting. And I believe if I'm not mistaken, that he was taking the assignment I had. So, or no, he might've been Scott, but there was definitely some kind of overlap where he was trying promos and I was trying his world, that kind of thing. But anyway, I started and I was like, okay, I got it. I answer these phones. I ripped the scripts. You kind of had to rip the scripts for Tom Brokaw and like duck as you brought it. <laughs> right. You're handing <laughs> Tom Brokaw scripts for the <laughs> love of God. And you're you're like making sure you keep your head out of the yeah. shot. You know? I did that for local. I'm handing Chuck Scarborough yeah. scripts under the under the desk. Yeah, it's live insane. on air. Yeah, you know, right. it was crazy. So, you know, he's teaching me all that. And I'm 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 like, okay, I got it. This is great. I got it. I, I think I'm gonna like this assignment. This is really cool. And then wouldn't you know, I think it was like literally the very first night that I was on my own, done being trained by Rich. We have the nightly newsroom, and literally the war in the Gulf broke out. And there on the screens, we saw like the first like scud missile launched. Right. And it was surreal. I mean, never in our lifetime of our generation did we ever see like, you know, a war happening. And this was just like life changing. But what was very kind of creepy, but I kind of get it, is that like all of these hardcore news people who had worked for years in this industry, they stood up and they were like, we got a war. And I just was like, oh, my gosh, they're excited about this. And of course, they weren't excited about the war, but the experience of being able to cover this for the nation and to be able to be an integral part of the team that was showing us what was going on was what their excitement was about. But all of a sudden, the room became electric, obviously, and as you said, with car vouchers, there was someone walking around saying, here's a car voucher. You're going to be here a while. We're going to get order dinner. Everyone's going to stay. You're going to be here a really long time. And there was like phones were ringing off the hook and everything Rich taught me was suddenly instead of, oh, this phone might ring and this line might ring. Suddenly every line was ringing and I was like, wow. And there was just people were being asked to do things that you know, talk about opportunities. They were being thrown in to screen footage, to do things, to look at feeds, to talk to people. And it was just everyone working together. And it was pretty amazing. And in the next couple of days, as they started to cover it, you know, I was just really feeling like, wow, last night we were here till one in the morning. This is really kind of crazy. I really don't really enjoy this, this, this whole, you know, people are dying and there's a war happening. Right. And, you know, I, I don't know if this is really for me. And I I didn't want to not appreciate the experience, but I just, I was really struggling with feeling like, okay, I'm going to do this for three months that who knows how long this is going to go on. This is intense. And um, then mail started to come in. And again, this wasn't a time of email or text or anything, but there were literally like burlap sacks of mail that were coming for Arthur Kent, who these women who were watching him <laughs> on the news were writing these letters like, Arthur Kent, I love you. And this and that. And they were calling him the Scud Stud and all that. Like he had this nickname and stuff. And I was supposed to go through the mail and see who the mail was for. And I could not believe the piles of mail for Arthur Kent just simply to say, you know, you're cute. Are you single? This, that. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is insane. And Rich Gardella, bless his soul, another shout out 
Rich, huh. Rich. We love Rich. <laughs> yes. Somehow I went to uh, either Kathy or Mary at the time. And I just said, look, I just really know how much Rich really loved this. And is there any way, you know, he could go back to this because, you know, I, this is definitely not for me. And I was kind of, I think in life, it's like, you get to know what you love and you get to know what you don't love. And through that experience, you shape what makes you who you are, you know? And I was so great that he jumped back in and he got opportunities. And I think to this day, he still works for nightly. He music. is, believe it or not. Yeah. I think, and Rich, if you're listening, cause I I've spoken to him about being on the show and I, yeah. and I think he said he would be on the show, but yeah, I think he's still at nightly news 30 years later. Wow. So just, and just, so again, look at the perfect fit um, right. for that. Wow. Yeah, that was definitely not for me. And I am so like, you know, I'm so happy that he's had this lucrative right. career with news because clearly that's his thing. And it's great to find your thing and how great we all had that experience of being able to find our thing in the page program. And that's really how we made our page in history, which is so great right. that you're doing this podcast. You know, it's amazing. Well, it's funny, even your, your, like I said, maybe we were separated at birth. I don't know, because again, <laughs> I worked for WNBC news and I worked in the control room. I was a production associate for the five, six and 11. And then, you know, did the promos and, and, and I will tell you probably for the exact same reason that you didn't do it. I, I couldn't handle it. It was the pressure of, and that's the thing. It could be, it could be five o'clock at night. You just worked a whole day or six o'clock or eight or whatever. And all of a sudden a breaking story happens yeah. and it's like, and everything you just worked for all day is done. You're going to redo the promo and uh, you know, and, and like it got to the point and I said, I remember, and I'm going to give a shout out to Ken Voigt. Do you, do you remember Ken Voigt? Does that name? No. Ken mm -hmm. Voigt was a, was one of the experience. I believe he was a writer. And I remember you know, you're writing a 30 second promo, but it was like 45 seconds and I had to cut, you know, words out of it. And I'm, I mean, literally dripping wet and I'm looking at the clock and then they're changing the script because before we had to go to the news director, get him to approve it. He would change it. Then I'd go to the creative director. He would change it. He would say, tell the news director, to go screw himself. I'd go <laughs> back to the news director and he'd say, tell him to go. And I'm like, guys, I got to get this on air. Could you just agree what we're writing? Cause I have to like get this done. But, yeah. but Ken, you know, talk about people that have helped me. He was like, Dave, you know, you could cut out this word and you could cut out that word. And this word, if you shorten this syllable and blah, blah, blah. And he sort of helped me craft and shorten, um, uh, you know, shorten copy, but it, the pressure was just unbearable. Yeah. And I, and so I think what I later said, you know what, let me go into the creative side because, you know, even though things are tight, but the deadline and that pressure, it would have killed me. And, and again, yeah. God bless these people who, who love doing it because it was too right. much for me. So I, and I remember there were times, you know, even to this day, when I see a breaking story, I tell mm -hmm. my girlfriend, I'm like, right now, someone literally just had to call their wife telling them they're not coming home tonight, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because exactly. they have to, they have to stay and and do this work. Um, so that, yeah, so th there's a lot of um, uh, folks that um, really are the unsung heroes that that right. that make that happen. You know, from the editors who you know people run in, and now I don't know if it's a predator, which where they have the producer, editor, and writer. 
right. which they, I think most of them do. So they're like writing their own stories, cutting their own stuff, maybe doing some yeah. of their own graphics. It is tough. It is yeah, tough. So is. I, I give them, I give them a lot of credit. So props. Yeah. Uh, okay. So a couple, couple of quick last things, I guess one thing is the, the homeless man, you were late for mini control. Oh but I think yeah. I, let's, let's hear that. I think we'll, we'll wrap it up after that. So, so tell us about, tell us actually tell the folks what mini control is and then tell okay. me where you had this little problem. So mini control was a very small, like a sample of what a studio would look like. And it had audio controls and a switcher that would, you know, make the different camera angles kind of fade and cut between each other. And then it had some cameras. Didn't it have like two cameras set up I believe, in the back? Yeah, it was two cameras. I believe I think yeah. it was two cameras, yeah. Yeah, and so we would have a, a page, you know, your assignment would maybe be to be on one of the cameras and maybe one of the other ones I think was stationary. It was locked on mm -hmm. like a wide shot. And then somebody would sit at mini control and actually show you what a technical director does in a in a program. So the person would be saying what they were doing and, and as they were doing it, they'd be pushing buttons and you'd see yourself up on the camera. So the people on the tour always really enjoyed mini control because it was a moment to see a sneak peek at how programs were made. And I can't talk about mini control without mentioning Peter Carousel. And I was, I was, okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Actually, yeah, thank thank. Well, it's so fun. Okay, this is hilarious, but go on. Okay, go on. Because I, I couldn't believe Peter Carousella had been a page before me. And, you know, I mean, I was there. I did overlap with him, but you guys were a little more senior than me. And so I got, you know, kind of baptism by fire into what this was, where he would literally be crouched under the desk with a microphone and he would do the speech for us. So instead of coming in and having to do the whole speech, hi, welcome, come get a seat. We're gonna show you how a television show is made. He would be doing the voice from under the desk and he would be doing it in a robotic Hal type voice saying, hi, this is Hal 2000. <laughs> and the entire thing was like deadpan. The people were believing that this was really a robot or or somebody. But then he would say random things that made no sense. Like I remember one time he said, turn and strike your neighbor. And I was like, what? And he, was like, <laughs> he would do a lot neighbor. of actually, yeah. if he's listening, do you ever speak to him at all? <laughs> no, a, no. So, Peter, for the love of God, if you're listening, because his stories he was just making stuff up in mini yeah. control. I, I'm surprised he wouldn't do it naked if uh, <laughs> perhaps, you know. So, yeah. yeah, Peter, if you're listening, he certainly would have a lot to shine on these conversations. Oh, it, was, <laughs> it was so hard not to just like crack up. And, you know, and sometimes the joke would be on him. We would reveal him. We would say, you know, you might think that you were listening to a robot, but it's actually our fellow page named Peter who's crouched under this desk. And that was even more ridiculous because right. if you were taking the tour, you'd probably be like, what? The, right. The, what? You got these poor little tourists that are like, <laughs> what the hell? What what what's going on here? What what are you guys doing? And and that's but, the thing oh is that, God. you know, uh, a lot of people had a lot of fun in mini control. And again, oh, yeah. I, I matter of fact, if you if you if uh, I still have them as well, the brochures, there's right. a picture. Uh, there's a picture of the back of my head going like this. So right. I'm on the I'm on one of the brochures like pointing. Oh, I took it very I, I took I oh, took yeah. everything I very too. seriously. Same. You know. And I, I felt like thrown off. I'd be like, oh my God, no, not healthy. Yeah. That, you know, right. Like, I'd be like, I had my speech already and I I'm like a rule follower. And right. 
suddenly I'd have to be pressing buttons and hearing, welcome, it's Al 2000. I'd be like, oh, come on, you know, but you couldn't help but laugh. It was, it was really funny, but it was one of those things where you were just like, oh my God. Right. Yeah. You see, so, see Mary, Frit Mary Roth try to look in and be like, you know, uh, come and bat you on the head with a ruler or something, but go on. Okay. I know, exactly. Uh, but so, yeah, you were asking about the, the homeless, homeless person. Yeah, yeah. There, there used to be this man that was literally like a fixture outside of Saks Fifth Avenue. And he would be set up with like a small table and a black Labrador and a can full of pencils. And he would be trying to sell his pencils all the time. And he was blind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, every day as I'd be walking from the subway, you know, I lived in the city at the time and I'd be walking to the page program and I'd say good morning and, you know, sometimes give him a couple of coins. But this one particular day was like a super hot day. And this man was like literally right in the sun. He was standing right in the sun. And I had I had left to get some lunch and I was heading back to mini control. And he was shouting, can someone help me move? It's too hot. Can someone move me to the shade? Can someone move me to the shade? And these New York crowds are walking by. Nobody's really paying attention. And I thought to myself, like you said, when you had that page uniform on, you felt invincible. You felt like, I have to do something. I'm a good Samaritan. You know, I can't be here in my page uniform and let this guy say this, you know? So I, I went over and I was like, excuse me, I think I can help you. You know, I want to help you. And he stood up and I think I'm all of like five, three and a half. And he had to be like six feet or more. And I, I've never seen him standing. And I just was like, oh gosh. And he literally leaned on me with like all his body weight. And he's like, you got me. And I was like, I, I got you. And he's like, do you got my chair? Do you got my table? You got my dog? Do you have his water? Do you have the can? And I was oh like, <laughs> I'm like literally gathering up all this stuff and trying to walk him across the street to a shady spot. And at this point, some like three or four people that were walking came and helped me. And like one took the chair and one took the table and they we got him set up in the shade. But the man could not walk very well and he couldn't see at all. So walking across the street took a very long time and setting everything up again and making him comfortable took a very long time. And I just left and I, I, I walked back into the building and I looked at the clock and I said, oh my gosh, I'm late for mini control. But obviously I felt very good about what I had just done and the fact that he was now comfortably in the shade and when I walked into mini control, it was like, as pages, we always just had each other's back. Like you just felt like you were walking in and you could have like this moment of like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm late. And there was somebody sitting in for you. They got you They're They're there. They're like, don't worry about it. Here I am. And, you know, nobody knew that you were late and, and I got you. And it was just, it was really this, like, again, that like camaraderie and that friendship feeling of just like, wow, you know. If anybody knew what I was doing, obviously right. they'd be like, oh, of course I'll help you. But you, you still feel nervous. Like you said, you're somebody that likes to do everything right and follow the rules. And, you know, I was like, oh, geez, I'm late. And <laughs> right. suddenly I just felt like, oh, they got me, you know, right, and it's, right. it's fine. And it just it it just also felt like one of those kind of iconic New York stories that like I lived in New York for so long. I saw this man so much and, you know, you don't really kind of break those boundaries sometimes. And mm -hmm. you see those people and you say good morning and everything, but to actually be physically helping him across the street, I felt like two minutes in, I was like, oh my gosh, what did I done? What if I fall? What if, right. you know, and then you just do it and, and they, the pages had my back. So it was just kind of a funny, iconic story of how, that 
was, it felt good to do something nice for someone and to know that regardless of the time I was covered. Wow. Yeah. I will say, and it's true. When I think back to the pages, just, it really was, everybody was so, you know, I mean, just friendly and we just, it was just a great group of folks and there was always new folks coming in and, um, you know, uh, and it's true working, working, you know, the, you know, sleeping over Saturday night onto the, you know, in the floor, waking up in the morning (laughs) on a Sunday and people stepping over you to like get dressed to go give tours, um, all this crazy stuff. So yeah, it was, it was really amazing. And, and, um, uh, you brought back so many amazing, amazing, you know, great stories and, and, um, you brought up so many cool names <laughs> that I get, I haven't heard in a while. And it, 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 they, you know, Rich and Bob and, and Peter. Yeah. It, it's, it's as if, as if we're going to go up to mini control and, and, right. and do a, do a tour. And I, well, I have to give a shout out to Kathy Laux. I can't not say her oh, name. Oh, Laux, Laux, yes. We, we actually ended up being roommates. Like we met in the PAGE program and then we were roommates in the city for like six years after the program, which was really- Oh, really? Fun. Yeah. Well, that's funny. Because yeah. I know that that Kathy and Peter were yes. were friendly. I don't know. Again, I have no idea what, what was going on there, but they were right. very right. close friends, right? At some point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think of them together. So yeah, Laux, if, you, if you're- hearing this uh a big shout out to you <laughs> shout out. yeah so well thank you so much this has been wonderful and i i i can't thank you enough for taking taking the time to uh share your wonderful stories and and again maybe we were separated at birth because we have <laughs> a lot of similar stories but yeah. um i appreciate it and i know that all the folks listening i'm sure we will get a uh, big um uh chatter when we when this uh podcast is airing so well, thank you very much Thank you. I can't thank you enough for creating this podcast and giving everybody a place to tell their stories. It's really amazing. Well, it's my pleasure. And, and like I said, I'm, uh, it was funny that this podcast, which I had mentioned, was really the sort of an homage to uh, a fly on the wall podcast with uh, Dana Carvey and um, David Spade, which, mm. you know, they talk about their experience on SNL. And then, and I said, well, wait a second, we have, we have good stories. We're going to we're yeah. gonna share our stories, you know? Exactly. Um, so, okay. So ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Victory. Vicky, 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 <laughs> Thank you so much, David. It was great to see you. Thanks for listening to A Page in History. A Page in History is produced by David Harris Katz Entertainment. For more information on our television shows, syndication, and more, go to dhcats.com. And to listen to more episodes of A Page in History, or if you've been lucky enough to call yourself one of the world-famous NBC pages and would like to appear on the show, go to apageinhistory.tv.